but one of the coolest things I think about is true about God is that he takes those hurts, those pains, and he restores them and redeems them and turns them into good that we're able to access if we're vulnerable with each other. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I want to hear a little bit about, first of all, what you do here at Holland Christian, but I'm really interested for listeners, before we have a conversation, usually we touch base and say, hey, what are some some stories you you have? Or, And Meredith has a whole page and a half about how she became a teacher so of awesome stuff. So I can't wait to, to have her share it with us. So would you tell us what do you do? And, and what is it that, that led you to take that path? Well, thank you, first of all, for uh, having me on the show. Um, yeah, I create all those notes. I think that's my tendency to want to have control over situations. <laughs> uh, I, I, so I teach science uh, for seventh grade, um, a section of Bible, and then I'm the theater director here, too. And that's one of my weak points with theater is improv, coming up with things on the fly. So... That is why I have those long, the long sets of notes. But that yeah. is such a great combo, by the way. You have science, theater, and Bible. Those, like at first glance, those seem like very different. Oh yeah, parts of the brain, very different, even personalities and styles. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's a really cool combination. It makes no sense, and yet it makes perfect sense. It all, <laughs> uh, it allows me to use all these different parts of my brain. I'm never stuck in. Um, just science and math all day, you know, I get, yeah, to, I get right. to play around with all the different parts. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So I graduated from Kelvin and my last year of Kelvin, I was the theater director at the high school for a year at Holland Christian. And then after that year, I decided to, I felt called to become a missionary teacher over in Germany at a school for missionary kids primarily. Black Forest Academy, and that's when I was placed with middle schoolers. And then after two years there, I moved over to Ireland. I had some friends there and really enjoyed the culture and the place there, uh, the setting and all that, and lived there for two years, did my master's in education over there, met my husband. Yeah, I didn't know any of these things. Yeah, so... Um, Give us. Do you have an Irish accent you can you can offer here? Or oh, not so much? yeah. What could I say? Um, ah, top sure, of the morning to you. Is that- oh yeah, top of the morning <laughs> to you. Oh sure, it'll be grand. Like, oh, we're gonna have a pint and a bit of tea. Can you talk like that the rest of the interview? I mean, that's a really, really if if an actual Irish person heard me, they would just be so embarrassed for me. But. <laughs> There's very few Irish people in um, Holland, Michigan, so I'm not too concerned. You'll get away with it, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So after I actually um, saw a position open uh, for middle school science while I was over in Ireland, and I thought, sure, why not go for it? It was, I I sort of knew my whole life that I was going to be a teacher. As a kid, I, we played a lot of pretend with my sister and my cousins. And I was always the teacher, and I, it might have been because I was the bossiest of all of them, uh, but I always played the teacher and grew up thinking and knowing that I was going to go into teaching. And uh, I remember talking to Dave Mustard after leaving Holland Christian, and he described Holland Christian as sort of being a teacher factory. Like we produce hmm. a lot of teachers after they graduate from Holland Christian, which I think says a lot about 
the teaching staff that we have, um, which is really cool. But hmm. uh, so I went, I, but I remember when I was growing up thinking, I don't want to teach anywhere other than Holland Christian. And then thinking that's probably not a very good reason to go into teaching. And obviously hmm. I went and taught in other places and, but now I, I did wind up in my dream job. I wound up back here teaching middle school, which is exactly where I want to be, and teaching at Holland Christian with the best staff and some of the greatest kids, and it's just a really good spot to be. So I moved back to America, and my husband had, he was not yet my husband. He had to wait a while, and visa things and all that was hard for the first year teaching at Holland Christian, but hmm. um we worked it out and he's here now and we're married and I'm on my third year now at Holland Christian. So. Oh, wow. Can you tell me yeah. a little bit about what, what were there some people along the way to maybe teachers you had at Holland Christian or otherwise that, that kind of confirmed for you as you grew up that, yep, this is something I want to do. For sure. So when I was in eighth grade, the eighth graders still have the opportunity to shadow. They have a shadow day. And when I was in eighth grade, I remember I went back to my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Geertsma, who is phenomenal. He's retired since, but he was so great. And shadowing him had a big impact on me. And I and it felt right. And it was exciting. And obviously, I was just an eighth grader, right? So there was just mm. sort of the beginnings of that. And then I remember sitting in Julie Bradaway's class, who's now Julie O'Brien, and we were talking about I think it was animals and their environment and their structures and how all their structures and different systems work together as one. And she would just emphasize like, wow, isn't our God so amazing how these systems work together? And I remember sitting there and thinking, well, now I know I'm going to be a science teacher uh, <laughs> because it just hit me and it just hit me in that moment. And that was such a God thing, him putting that on my heart in that moment. And it just made sense. Um, Julie O'Brien makes me want to be a science teacher too, for sure. I missed. Oh, that. I kind of missed my chance. Oh, but she's the best. She's great. Oh, you can always go back. You're never too old to go <laughs> relearn, right? Tell me a little bit about. You have a family member, right? Who who was a big oh, impact yeah. on you too? Yeah. So my opa, which is Dutch for grandpa, he uh, grew up and went to college and studied genetics and biology. So genetics oh, wow. was really, really new at the time when he was studying it. So it was really exciting. And while he was studying science, he grew to love um, how God is reflected in it. And that really hit him. And he decided to change his career path and go into religion uh, and became a pastor. Went to Calvin Seminary and pursued that. And I really, especially when I got to college, and I started taking my religion classes and my science classes. I was learning things that didn't make sense for me, with me before um, in my science classes and learning new things in my religion classes that challenged the way I had thought about, you know, reading scripture before. And I would bring all my notes over to his house and he'd even give me like articles to read leaving. And we would just talk about this beautiful harmony that exists between science and the Bible. And I fell in love with learning about how science and the Bible are meant to live in harmony with one another and how understanding like the context of the Bible, the purpose of scripture and the nature of our God 
creates this place where science and Christianity really harmonize instead mm. of contradict. And because I feel like we've seen so often in history where they have contradicted and people just fight and argue and people have lost their lives over that. And, but really when it, when you really look at like the purpose of the scripture and you see God's reflection in creation, you see how they work so beautifully together. And that's always so exciting for me to, to uncover. And then obviously uh, many people have mentioned her already on the podcast, but Dr. Crystal Bruxford at Kelvin um, had a huge impact on that as well. So discussing those things with my grandpa, discussing those things with her and her classes, just really grew um, that love and that passion for learning about that in me. Meredith, I just am picturing you talking with your opa about all these things. It's just the yeah. most beautiful. I love what I love about learning and exploring and the scriptures and, and the, the world God has made. When that happens in this relational context, you know, with you as a trusted teacher, you with your, your grandfather, it's just such a beautiful picture of what learning is and how it happens best is in the context of these trusted relationships. That's just so beautiful. Oh, and it's so important, right? We don't, we don't learn well if we can't, we don't feel safe and we don't mm-hmm. feel like we can trust the other person. So yeah, a lot of learning happened in those spaces. And that's why teaching science at a Christian school is like a huge part of why I have this job and it gets me so excited. Mm, oh, I love that. Now, why middle school in particular? Yeah, middle school is, I don't remember when it was that I knew it it had to be middle school. I think it might have been once I had my first year teaching in Germany middle schoolers, but they are just some of the most honest and crazy group of kids (laughs) you'll ever meet. Um, I remember being in eighth grade and my teacher at the time, Mrs. Vandervliet, said to us, oh, a lot of people come up to me and they'll say, oh, you teach middle schoolers, oh, that must be so hard. God bless you. That must be so challenging. And she said, no, I wouldn't rather, I don't want to teach any other age group. This is the Mm. group of kids that I want to be with. I love this age. Don't put me with elementary school kids. Don't put me with high schoolers. I want to be in middle school with middle school kids. And I remember feeling so loved by her because middle schoolers, I think, they're going through so many changes and there's a lot of insecurities and they don't always feel so loved um, Mm. or lovable. So it meant the world to me to have a teacher that I knew was there because she loved us and loved Mm. who we were in that moment, in our awkwardness, in our weirdness, in our sometimes rude or socially awkward things. She was there because she loved that part of who we were. And I want to be able to teach kids and know that I'm there for them because I love the age that they are and I love who they are in that moment. Um, I obviously can't wait to see who they continue to be and grow up to be, but at the age they're at, I love who they are and what they bring to the table. They just do the most off the wall things with these kids. And, but one that stood out to me was this website called, I don't know what it's called, but they look up Chihuahua's spinning in this bubble wrap and it's just a gift that plays over and over in an endless loop this chihuahua wrapped up in bubble wrap and then it counts how many spins you've watched and I had a kid that had like 30,000 spins he just kept the tab open for forever and he was getting distracted by it so I closed it and this kid just 
fell to his knees and lifted his hands up in the air and said, no, I've had that tab open for weeks. <laughs> and it was 30,000 spins. 30. I can't, I would, couldn't even do the math to tell you how many hours that must have been, but I'm trying dedicated. to find it right now, but I can't spell Chihuahua to save my life. <laughs> H-U-A, Chihuahua. Oh, yeah, that's uh, it's a thing. It comes right up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, you're giving me a little glimpse of middle schoolers. This is so good. What else? So they love to play Kahoot. Uh, the, the, any of those quiz games, any of those competitive things, they will stand up they get into their little groups they're so passionate they have to click first you'll hear them if they miss click they'll scream out no i didn't mean to or it's they just get so energized and passionate and into some of these activities which i don't think you think of middle schoolers doing because there are those tendencies to want to hide and you know you know, try and be cool or whatever. But if you get them really engaged and into something, mm. I don't think you'll find a more passionate group of an age group. They are just so fun. Mr. Hiskus at the high school sometimes talks about, or he invites high schoolers to lower their stupid guard. Mm. That, that kind of that defense we put up so that we don't appear to be stupid. And yeah. maybe that means just, I never speak or I never have attention on me because I don't want to appear stupid. And he'll often challenge students, say, put that down while we're together like can you lower that a little bit and, mm -hmm. and and engage and participate and what you're describing it sounds like just like that right that that these yeah. kids are able to get them engaged and they're able to lower their stupid stupid guard and man it can be really fun when that happens sort of a change of gears here meredith and mm -hmm. I, I love this question i don't know if anything comes to mind but when it comes to important words, I, I think back just at my own journey and there's kind of these pivotal moments where, where words were spoken to me that I maybe didn't realize at the time, but were going to be impacting the trajectory of the next few years of my life. Can you think of any uh, really important words people have spoken to you and your journey? I've heard our culture sort of described as the hustle culture. You do as much as you can, you work as hard as you can, it's praised if you work yourself, to, you know, until uh, mm -hmm. you can't, you know, you're not sleeping, you're up all night. Wow, you get a raise for working so hard or um, wow, you must be a great teacher because you spent your whole weekend grading or things like that. And mm. when I moved to Germany um, to be a missionary, there is a really high turnover in teachers uh, at those schools. And, I, and a big part of that is we have to do our fundraising to teach over there. We've got our teaching on load on top of us. We've got the culture shock, learn it, not knowing the language, all these things on top of us. So they really emphasized how important it is to protect yourself. So like my host mom and the leadership there reminded us that we are not able to pour into others or their lives um, in the lives of our students if we don't have anything left to give. So for me, it's very hard to say no. I'm a people pleaser. Mm. I do not want anyone to be upset with me. I want people to be happy with me. But I learned that saying no, which might people might consider that to be selfish, right? Oh, you want your own time. You want to do your own thing. I learned that saying no is actually the opposite of selfish. It's you're looking forward towards how you're going to be able to use that time to care for yourself, fill yourself up, to keep your to keep pouring into kids and to keep pouring into others in your life, 
heat from drying out um, or burning out. Uh, and I know, and this applies here now at Holland Christian too, because um, even in the non-missionary community, teacher burnout is incredibly high. Mm-hmm. We lose a lot of good teachers, especially in those first five years. And I think I've read that it is a, in great deal attributed to burnout. And so we have to learn to take care of ourselves so that we can continue to take care of these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you look at the biblical text, Sabbath is just such a central thing throughout the mm-hmm. scriptures. Um, and it's amazing, yeah, that, that that margin in our lives, taking a day to stop and to rest, to be restored, that's just not even a concept, I feel like, in, in our Western world. That mm. we're like, no, we can't afford that. Um, that's something I'm learning, too, that, that when I when I especially think that, you know, I, I just don't have time. That's especially when, it, when it's right. most central to, to, to make that time. Exactly. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Skipper's Construction focuses on exceptional use of space and budget as they design and build your dream. Working closely with their customers, they strive to create a home that exceeds expectations. Whether it's a new construction or a renovation, Skipper's Construction will work with you to design, build, or renovate your space. The other word was, what was the other word? Vulnerability. So Vulnerability. this has been when, so I grew up going to Pillar Church and with our new uh, pastor that came a few years ago, there was a reconciliation between the CRC church and the RCA church. Hmm. And we became, our big message sort of became reconciliation, becoming a new creation, taking the bad and turning it into something good and beautiful. And I have seen this happen in my own life. Um, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety already when I was in seventh grade, just due to my genetic makeup. It runs in the family. Um, and when I am able to be vulnerable about it with my students, I am able to empathize and connect with them. And even, you know, not even just students, but with anyone, you're able to connect with other people in a really beautiful way. And being vulnerable is incredibly scary because it allows, it, it makes us feel like, you know, people can take stabs at us, people can hurt us. But the way God is able to use vulnerability, I think is such a beautiful thing. So I remember there being a chapel when I was in high school and there was a pot on stage and pieces kept getting taken out of this pot that represented times in their life where there was a lot of pain or hurt or something went wrong. And then at the end, she lit a light inside of the pot and the light was able to shine out. And she said, God's love shines through our brokenness. And I think he's able to make beauty out of our pain um, and allow us to show his love to others through our brokenness. So obviously God is good and so good and these bad things still happen because of sin in the world. But one of the coolest things I think about is true about God is that he takes those hurts, those pains, and he restores them and redeems them and turns them into good that we're able to access if we're vulnerable with each other. <laughs> Amen. So, yeah, that's been, that's been something I try to do. I feel like in a COVID world, it gets hard. You know, we're all hiding behind masks 
and we're all keeping our distance <laughs> and all that. It makes it a little extra harder to be vulnerable, but um, it's a good practice for us. Hmm. I love that, Meredith. That's so, so true. So Meredith, you even just in this short conversation, you're striking me as someone who loves to learn, um, <laughs> even hearing about G Germany and Ireland. So much of that learning happens as we explore and travel. Do you have any moments or events from your years that shifted, were kind of these fundamental moments where it shifted the way you viewed the world or human beings or, or just kind of those really pivotal pivotal moments in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I sort of, I, I knew I had a passion for learning about other cultures, learning from others, and that sort of triggered my decision to look for something abroad and teaching abroad. And that brought me over to Germany and God brought me over to Germany. And I, it, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an anxious person. I worry. I have a lot of worries and fears, but for some reason, it did not hit me until I landed in Germany like, oh, I don't even know where I'm going to be living. I don't know how to set up a bank account. I don't know the host family that's meeting me on the other side. But it still didn't worry me because I just had this sense of calm. And that was a big moment in my life. I just, I just never expected to be the type of person to just let go and move countries and not have all these fears and think about everything that could possibly go wrong. Uh, <laughs> sure. But... But moving to Germany really showed me that there are so many different types of people in the world and so many cultures and so many different ideas and languages. And I do, re I do remember being really struck by being in the grocery store, learning very few, knowing very few words in English or German, sorry. Knowing Hagen dazs Hagen dazs that's is that even yeah. German? I don't know. That's the, <laughs> I that's think, the one thing I think isn't that a Danish company? I think that's I don't Danish, know. maybe. I but, tried. Like Guten Tag, hello. Okay, yeah, Guten Tag. I I got to know the grocery items really well, like food, apple, and things like that. So I was able to get what I needed to survive. I knew water was Wasser and things like that. So I was able to survive, but just in the checkout. Um, Germans are not notorious, and obviously these are generalizations, but they're not known for being an incredibly warm group of people. You know, they're they're very different than the Midwest nice hmm. sort of people, but they, I didn't speak hardly any German, and they would hear that I was struggling, and they'd, they'd switch over to English in their broken English, which was much better than my broken German, and help me out however they could. And hmm. there was just, I remember thinking, wow, it must be so hard coming to America and not being able to speak English mm. because we, as Americans, know so few languages, which just reminds me how important it is for us to know Spanish and things in, in other languages and about other cultures because it is hard. I lost so much hair being stressed out all the time mm -hmm. about like, oh, I have to go to the grocery store. I have to talk. They might ask me this question and I'm not going to know how to respond. So I remember being really struck by, um, by that and thinking about how difficult it must be for others who come and don't know English. Um, I didn't write about that one, but Ireland. That's so good. <laughs> so then I moved to Ireland and I knew bits about the history of Ireland and the, the clash there is be between Catholicism 
and the Protestants and how political it is in that country. So Ireland didn't get its independence till about 100 years ago. They were not their own independent country. They were ruled by the crown. The crown was Protestant. The people in Ireland were Catholic. And in the 90s, I think, the 80s and the 90s, there were lots of, um, there was a lot of unrest, especially in Northern Ireland, just, uh, you know, people dying. And there's these, there's these walls in Belfast called Peace Walls. And they are built up around the Catholic and the Protestant neighborhoods. Um, so the Catholics will live on one side of the wall and the Protestants might live in another area. And these were meant to help keep the peace between the people. And I just, it, it blew my mind that that has happened in history in Christianity, mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. been such division that they've had to put up walls between people to keep them from killing each other. Mm. And that's happened in a Western country, just in Ireland within the last 50 years, um, that really struck me. And then moving to Ireland and trying to find a church there, it, it made sense to me then why there were so many people that were so strongly against religion, because religion to them meant violence and hatred and war. So I was suddenly in a place where religion was not, or going to church was not the expected thing to do, right? Mm. Here in West Michigan, it's like, oh, what church do you go to? It kind of tells you about the person who they might know, things like that. Um, But there, that's not a conversation you have with people. And it, it suddenly was up to me. I could have just sat, you know, not done anything, just sort of fit in with the rest of the people there and not made that a part of my life. But it suddenly became the uncool thing to sort of try and find a church family, to try and continue to stay rooted in the word and to try and continue to um, learn from other Christians and have those relationships. And most of my friends and that I had over there are not Christian. Um, And some of them have a very difficult relationship with religion and the church and what it means for them. And that was a big moment in my life because I, suddenly had to make my faith my own and it was in a it was it was in a situation where it wasn't the normal or expected thing to do and it was mm-hmm. actually incredibly awkward to talk in a lot of circles in in Ireland it it made me appreciate the community we have here because it's so easy and it's so not easy right it's never easy to be a christian but it's there's so much more accessibility to it it's so much more accepted you're not so much of an outsider but it really built up my faith and my it was a big step in my journey to have to make that decision to Mm. continue to pursue growing in my faith and my religion on my own and obviously I because religion was so difficult for so many people to talk about and it wasn't that they didn't know who God was or who Jesus was. They knew very well. So it's not like going to some remote place in the world where they've never heard about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. very different. So I I did my best to try and just show them. And I failed, right? Because we're not perfect. But I tried my best to show what I think really following Jesus looks like. And I tried to 
sort of, and again, like I, I didn't do it well all the time, but tried to show like the message of re reconciliation and people coming together and how much love Jesus and God have. And yeah, it was, mm. it's different than sort of their way of thinking about God. And so, yeah. That, that's almost, I wonder, more challenging than starting with kind of a blank slate, you know, someone who's never heard about Jesus right. versus starting with these connotations of Jesus or the church or Christianity equals what mm -hmm. we've seen and experienced. That's, that's almost a longer requires a more kind of a committed presence yeah. to rewrite those connotations yeah. uh, that, that, that people have with Jesus. Yeah, it's different for sure. Okay, Meredith, you're a middle school teacher. What would you say? This is the question. My old co-host, Cam Houck, Cam, if you're listening, I'm still asking your favorite question. <laughs> what would you say either, I know you went to high school here, but what would you say to either your high school self or your middle school self? If you had a chance to imagine we built a time machine just for you, what would you say to your middle school or high school self? Great question, Cam. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> I do say this to my kids uh, if I have to talk to them about maybe being unkind or gossiping or things like that. But what I would say is that how you treat people matters and what you say to people is remembered. And that's in good ways and in bad ways. So in good ways, for example, we had a chapel last week where we got to hear some of the stories of some of our inclusion kids. And one of them, you know, shared like he's never been invited to a sleepover before. And one of them talked about how special he feels because of um, the unique gifts God has given him and um, for his journey. And these kids heard this chapel and obviously we're not in a normal chapel setting, but watched this video. And now I see them out there um, during recess, like inviting these kids to play with them. They saw um, this uh, one of our inclusion kids sitting alone inside during break. And he said, hey, come outside with us. You should be out with us. And it made me cry seeing these kids just jump mm. in and love so big and be so kind. And I just, I know that the way that you're treating each other, these kids are going to remember. And I remember the way people treated me when I was even in elementary school, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the good things and the really hard things. So I try and encourage my kids to, to, to know and remember that what they say to their peers is remembered. And I have mm. to try and remind myself that as a teacher too, on the regular, like these kids are going to remember what I say to them. So I have to be careful and I have to be encouraging. Mm. That's so true, Meredith. Uh, I mean, our words do stuff <laughs> to each other, yeah. right? I mean, that's just the way God's made us. I'm a teacher. One of the big reasons I'm a teacher is because a, a 12th grader, when I was a ninth grader, her name was Jackie Chisholm. I'm sure she's got no clue who I, who I am. But <laughs> she's listening right now. If she's listening. Hi, Jackie. Uh, I, I don't know. She she stopped me in the hall and said, "What do you want to do when you get older?" And I'm like, you know, I'm I have asthma. I'm like about to I need to pump on my inhaler. This 12th grade girl speaking to me and. And I, I seriously, I looked over and saw a teacher and I like panicked and I said, a teacher. <laughs> and she said, oh, I think you'd be really good at that. <laughs> Aww. 
and, and I don't know safe. where she got that idea. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, then I would when I was a twelfth grader, what do you want to do? And I've just thought, well, <laughs> Jackie Chisholm said I'd be a pretty good teacher. <laughs> These <laughs> random words from an interaction I had four years before, and it's so funny. It's been a long time now, and. <laughs> That that few words she said really right. are why I'm here today. That's crazy. Well, Helen Christian thanks you, Jackie. It's <laughs> very kind. Hi, Jackie, wherever you are. <laughs> Meredith, I'm so grateful for this conversation. In in just a, the short time we've had, I'm just I've got a lot to to continue sifting through and thinking about. You're a wise person, and our middle schoolers are blessed to have you in their lives. Well, thank you for those for those kind words. I've got a lot yet to learn, and I hope to continue to grow in my profession. And but it's it's a blast. My job mm. is a blast.